Hello friends and folks and welcome back to Refresh Rate and a very special episode as it's time for the talk of the kingdom. I'm Six Detmar. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm Kyrie Page and six years is a long damn time. You know, and yet, it is and it isn't. Yeah. And yet. Yeah. Um, they made another one of those Zeldas, huh? They did make another one of those Zeldas, and we're doing another one of those Zelda pods six years later, the three of us. It is kind of... That was, like, thinking back on it, it was the very first pod I was on with the two of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, this has uh, been almost uh, six years and two months. We're off by, off by about a week, but, you know. You know. Because, like, the initial the initial one, when we just did it on Breath of the Wild, it was, like, what, a week after it released in March of I think that's right. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, at least, was much less busy back then. And so I've played about an equivalent amount as I did back then, given that we've taken two weeks this time. <laughs> it has been... Has it been two weeks? No, it's been a week. It's been less than a week. Like, it came out really? uh, last week oh. on Friday. Well, shit. Okay. Uh, everybody break. We'll come back in a week. And <laughs> All right. Well, good, good work, everybody. But this is the follow-up to The Breath of the Wild. Yes. So, starting out just establishing for anyone who, who doesn't know, let's, let's, let's give some quick, uh, like, Zelda history rather broadly, and then Breath of the Wild specifically. Um... Jen, why don't you why don't you take it away for us? I started playing Zelda at pretty early age. Like, uh, I got a Game Boy Pocket, and Link's Awakening happened to be one of the games that uh, my parents got me. Um, but uh, like many games back when I was that little, I did not know how to complete them, so I mostly just played around with them, wandered around, went okay, good enough. Back to whatever else I was doing. Um, I have played and mostly abandoned many other Zeldas over the years. Like, I've played a little bit of Ocarina and Majora's Mask on both the N64 and 3DS. Uh, I played a bit of Wind Waker HD when that came out on the Wii U. Never did Twilight Princess, just because uh, I wasn't very much of a Zelda person when the Wii was happening. Um, but yeah, it my history of Zelda is mostly kind of just messing around with some of them, and it's only been in the past few years that I've actually started finishing them, like going out of my way to finish Link's Awakening or Minish Cap, which uh, might be my favorite Zelda after playing it. But uh, yeah, after all that stuff, I did get Breath of the Wild back when it came out in 2017, and... Uh, I completed a Divine Beast and mostly just fucked around for the next 30 to 40 hours without accomplishing much else and be like, okay, that that's it for me. And what were your what were your feelings on Breath of the Wild then? My feelings on Breath of the Wild then were it's a very unique, interesting thing and it's neat what they're going for, but I thought the Divine Beast sucked compared to like uh every other game's concept of dungeons throughout other Zelda games I had played. Mm-hmm. Kyrie, what about you? So with the Legend of Zelda series, I have 
played and beaten, I think, most of the mainline games. Um, besides, like, actually the first and second ones. Um, I never really played the NES ones, but um, Link to the Past is one of my favorite games. Um, I've dabbled with the randomizer quite a bit. Like, I just, I was able to jump into that because I had played Link to the Past so many times. It was like, oh yeah, I know where all these chess locations are. And that's how they randomize stuff in that game is, you know, just swapping out the contents of chests. And it was like, okay, I was able to follow that just fine. Um, Played Ocarina of Time a lot when I was a kid. Um, Link to the uh, like, that's Link to the Best. Uh, Link Between Worlds was really good. Like, I have played most of, like, the mainline games and I really appreciate what they do. Um, Twilight Princess is one of my favorites. Um, I remember getting that when my brother managed to, like, get a Wii, so we got a copy of that. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, the series has been, like, always, like, kind of close to me. I think that's pretty much true for a lot of people, but, um, I really loved Breath of the Wild. I, um, my final playtime on the Wii U version of that game was like 110 hours or something like that um and i beat mm-hmm. like i finished that and i played the spin-off game age of calamity uh which i like that quite a bit granted that's just more of a that's a you know warriors game but it's still like really good and oh really yeah fun. age of calamity rocks love those muso games but breath of the wild like i I don't think any of us like really knew at the time. I certainly didn't know at the time how big of a deal Breath of the Wild would become. You know, like mm-hmm. there was an inkling of like, oh, this is like, this is big. This is huge. Like, there's a reason I think people are still like using it as a touchstone. You know, six years later, not just because this game had come out, but it was just like. Yeah, people made comparisons to that game for a reason, because I think Breath of the Wild is probably one of the best games Nintendo has made, like, in their history. I think that's fair to say. I agree with that, yeah. But Six, what about you? Um, so like you, I've played, I think, I think I've at least put my hands on every, you know... When I say proper Zelda, I mean, like, you know, I haven't touched the CDI ones before, right? But, like, you know, you know, the mainline yeah. proper ones, I've I've at least put my hands on all of them. Um, I've beaten a number of them, not as many as you might think, but I've beaten a number of them. And, um, yeah, I think I actually have generally more of an affinity for the 2D ones than the 3D ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a few exceptions, like I like Majora's Mask a whole hell of a lot. Um but this kind of all, I, I think overall my relationship changed with Breath of the Wild, which I also, I agree with Kiri. I think it's one of the best games Nintendo's, Nintendo's ever put out. Um, I think it is a really remarkable piece of design. And I mean, I um, I have been playing it recently um, on my Steam Deck, uh, hacked to run some mods. And I think... For me, Tears of the Kingdom had a lot writing on it, not just like, it's like, oh, is this going to be better than Breath of the Wild? Because honestly, I don't think that, mm-hmm. and we can answer that question. That wasn't one I thought was going to be particularly interesting. Right. 
I guess what I was curious about is like, did they see Breath of the Wild as like, a, we're laying the baseline and now we layer on top of this? Or how do we do it in a very different way? Like, what is their vision of building off of, of Breath of the Wild? Um, and that takes us to Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a lot going on in Tears of the Kingdom. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like I, I'm still sorting out my feelings on it, but that's why we're recording and talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it is bigger and more dense than Breath of the Wild. Um, you have, you know, Breath of the Wild. You had, you know, the land of Hyrule as this big map. Um, it is, as far as core geography, the same map, though it has been, you know, fundamentally altered a lot mm-hmm. on the surface with various events. The the upheaval capital u capital u Um, red text upheaval but we also now have uh the sky with some floating sky islands and the depths which is an area that was not really mentioned at all pre-release which is the vast underground um cavern underneath hyrule yeah i i had more or less known about the depths and stuff like that just because i'm I, I read the leaks when they came out. Well, specifically the ones that weren't uh, story-based. But uh, it was mm-hmm. still a pleasant surprise to actually get down there and be like, damn, they're doing some cool things here. I I, I think that like it is kind of uh, remarkable how they were able to... like I mean, the very first teaser they showed off for it was um, Zelda and Link like descending into this cavern and seeing the dehydrated Ganon. Um, and that was kind of like the very first look, and that was like a couple of years ago, obviously. And I, on the cover, and all the marketing around this game has been around like, oh, all the Skyline stuff. And I just thought, man, that underground stuff is like really fucking cool. <laughs> Should have focused on that. I think the Skyline stuff is kind of nothing. Yeah, to be honest, mm. there's there's very little of it. Um, just like geographically, they're, um, I don't know, what is maybe like a 20% of the map size compared to the surface. And then a great deal of islands are just, there's a tree here with this particular fruit, or there is a singular treasure chest. Oh yeah, here's like, here's like your um, one of like 500 upgrade items. I think there's a lot of value to what they're doing with the Sky Island situation. Like, being up there... Uh, finding your way up there by like reversing a falling uh, bit of land to zoom up there is always really cool. Um, I especially love it whenever you're getting into like bits of half finished train tracks and you're like scooting around from island to island uh, with nothing, with nothing basically keeping you up in the air other than this small little car and the rails around you. Um, and I think it leads to some of the game's best vistas in general. Like, just looking around, especially when it's, like, midday or just hitting dusk, it is stunning. It's interesting, because I, I realize how this is going to sound. I think the best the game ever looks is when you're underground in the depths, and there is zero light, and you can't see where the fuck you're standing. <laughs> 
I think I know what you're talking about. It's like there's this idea of like when you go into the underground, it's like, oh, you can only see these like remote motes of light in the distance and like whatever light you've provided either by way of the light bloom like plants or p- torches or whatever. And that becomes like the way the light like dances and refracts off of everything is like really cool looking. Yeah, and I think, I mean, like, there are moments of, like, you are staring out, and you can see yourself, because they, they like, sort of low-key light you, so you can always see Link as a character. But, like, you can't see the ground under your feet. In the distance, you can see a bunch of the gloom, which we will talk about, and you're just, like, turning the camera and seeing when the gloom gets blocked out by blackness and trying to determine the geography around you based on that. And it's just remarkable. I th- um, I th- it's so there are very few games brave enough to dunk you in true darkness, but also smart enough to make it still playable, right? Yeah. A funny thing is, I feel like this is another one of those cases where, like, Six is experiencing something that has been present in, like, the indie horror scene for a little bit now, but a larger developer came along and transpose some of those ideas into something that's a bit less frightening and a bit more mainstream because uh i've actually played a few games that do very do something very similar like on a smaller scale through 3d scanning or like lighting up the area bit by bit like you do with the gloom seed uh with the uh bloom seeds and uh it is really neat to see that's indie horror inspiration make its way into something like this mm-hmm. yeah I, you know th- there are a lot of when was the last time a triple a game actually innovated you know <laughs> what was it 1997 but yeah something like that taking ideas that smaller games have played with and using their resources to do them on a scale and perhaps with a polish that they couldn't before is uh is, is very worthwhile I just felt it was really cool how, like, in some ways it reminded me of, like, the one part of, like, the D&D setting that I think is pretty cool, which is the Underdark, which is, like, Mm. the massive chasm of, like, which in and of itself is kind of, like, um, riffing on, what's what's the H.G. Wells book? Um, Not 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It's, like, it's something about, like, Journey to the Center of the Earth. You know, mm. on a certain like, oh yeah, there's a whole other world built in on in the world itself. Very... Is that Jules Verne? Was it Jules Verne? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um, but I I love that like, and I love actually the way like on the overworld. I find the gloom to be quite like it's interesting, but kind of annoying. But like in the in the underground, it feels like, oh man, I, I, I'm on a journey, you know, because mm-hmm. there is this aspect of if you touch the gloom or get attacked by these gloom infested monsters, like you lose part of the hearts that you have, like temporarily. And it's like, it adds this interesting tension to be like, oh, I have to like really plan my journey to a certain degree like when I'm going into the underground to like look for stuff because every now and again, you'll get like someone who says, Hey, there's a bit in this underground that is worth investigating, or I want to go deeper to find other stuff. Like 
that's really cool and there's a unique tension there that i think the game is really effective at playing with mm-hmm. yeah because one of the things i think the original breath of the wild was was missing I, I think one of the things this game has done is it's provided it's become a very effective foil for breath of the wild because i think there are things that breath of the wild does better that this puts in contrast and there are things that you didn't realize you didn't think breath of the wild was doing that well right mm-hmm. Like, I love the feeling of just, like, in Breath of the Wild, like, just sort of trekking your way across Hyrule and, you know, limited resources, trying to make do, dealing with monsters. Um, And the depths sort of puts in contrast, like, puts in in perspective, like, you were never really in that much danger in Breath of the Wild doing that, right? Yeah, It's easy to avoid enemies, easy to run away, easy to take paths where you're not going to hit them and just sort of, you know, hoof it. Yeah, you have like a million apples in your inventory and you can just eat a bunch of apples. Um, But in the gloom, if you get attacked by these monsters and you're not ready for the fight, like, oh, suddenly I had 10 hearts. Now I'm down to five and I need to find like these like there are these massive roots that you go to to, you know, like get like the surfaces light like down there. And it's like, that's the thing that like returns the hearts to be able to be healed again like it doesn't Mm -hmm. top you off which is another interesting aspect because it's like oh now suddenly i have to think about like you know not many people have explored down here so there's not many pots so i need to have like a way to cook meals or have pre-prepped a bunch of meals so i can heal more effectively like it's 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 a really cool aspect to the game Mm mm-hmm Yeah, there's that element to it, though. I'm honestly not. I'm honestly not that nervous when I'm down there, mostly because I know that uh, I can always tap a button press and either jump over to a sanctuary still in the depths or, like, uh, jump up to a shrine on the surface. Um, There was one moment where I was passing through a grove of trees and all of the trees were coming up to attack me. I was like, oh, this fucking sucks. But uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, for the most part, I'd say my journey through the uh, depths has been pretty stress-free. Have you fight the... Did you fight the massive frog thing yet? Massive frog thing? (laughs) That's a no. That's That's a a no. no. That's a no. (laughs) Uh, yeah, 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 stress-free that you see this, like, <laughs> frog the size of a mountain down there. I mean, it is a problem with Breath of the Wild and Tears mm-hmm. of the Kingdom, in my opinion, that you can literally at any time just teleport away, mm-hmm. um, freeze the game and teleport away. You can be, like, in the middle of being, like, hit with an axe, and you're just like, nope, bye. Um, well, I thought you couldn't teleport during combat. You Oh, you absolutely can. Oh, you can? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, there is... I think, like, you can't win... If currently Link is not controllable, you have to wait until, like, if you're in the middle of being, like, you know, juggled or something, you have to wait until you get your feet underneath you, but that's it. Yeah. While this game is, like, Oblivion in many ways, uh, uh, Oblivion's the one that blocks you from uh, fast traveling with there's enemies. It's like most, like, open-world games tend to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly would like the option to turn that on because I think it, like, in mo- the modded version of Breath of the Wild I've been playing on my Steam Deck, I took out fast travel entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are also mods to just make it so you can't pull up the map during combat, which would be another way to solve this. Um, but removing that get out of jail free card, I think does add a lot more like tension and like consequence for your actions. And I think the depths can, like Jen is saying, I think that the depths have some cool elements there, but you're always going to have the escape. And so it only can ever get so tense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like the tension has to be like in some ways self-directed, which I felt like some of the best parts of breath of the wild as a game. And this game is sort of that, like self-directed play of like all right i'm just gonna pick a direction and just start walking and see what's here um, mm-hmm. and um and that's certainly because like the story doesn't have much forward momentum uh in tears of the kingdom but like it was a lot of fun it's fun for me to like i said see a landmark in the distance or see a temple or see a thing and just start walking towards it and see what i encounter along the way I think one of the things that this game does a whole lot better than Breath of the Wild is uh, the dungeons themselves. Like, when I was playing Breath of the Wild, there was something about the Divine Beasts that felt incredibly unsatisfying to run through. Like, uh, mm-hmm. there was this sort of sameness to the situation where you were climbing through them and also, like... I don't know. The puzzles never felt like they had good solutions, and also they were all kind of dependent on things you already had from the get-go. Like, it wasn't really introducing new things to you. And Tears of the Kingdom solves that by, like, having a companion associated with each, uh, each specific dungeon you're going through. Each one teaches you a new mechanic that is vital to getting through the dungeon itself. And, uh, like older Zelda games, after you finish that dungeon, you can basically take that buddy with you anywhere you want. Well, you can't take buddies with you in older Zelda games, but I know what you mean as far as keeping the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're yeah. keeping the power. Yeah, you get the hook shot once, and then like for the rest of the game, you can use the hook shot in other places. I don't fully agree with you. Um, I think I've done... Well, I stopped with just the boss fight left in the water temple, and I've done the wind temple, right? Um... I think in both cases, the run-up, like the 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 platforming journey to get to the dungeon was really good, mm-hmm. right? Yes. The actual dungeon was not particularly, and also the power doesn't really matter in the actual dungeon. You need it, like, for example, I think you did the Wind Temple, right? Yep. I also did the Wind Temple. So in the Wind Temple, you need the power to trigger a turbine, but that's really no different than flipping a switch. You don't use the mobility aspect of it at all in that dungeon. Um, um, there's like one spot maybe that I can think of in which like, like there is like a spot or two in which it helped, but it didn't feel like vital in the way that like a hook shot or a long shot does in a traditional dungeon because in the wind, in the wind set, like the platforming journey to get to the center of this massive storm, like hovering in the sky cool as fuck love that but then once Mm -hmm. you're in it it's like oh there are these ships floating around that you just bounce off of and you really don't need the kids like like gale ability to like push you across it was just sort of like well i miscalculated but now i can save myself a little bit of time and go somewhere else in the during my glide and keep going 
Yeah, you can you can complete that temple without using that power, except for for the turbines, because it's like there are points where you need to go to the lower floor, but it's not far away, so you just float down on your glider, and then you can use uplift or teleport to get back to the surface. You and, don't need the dash at all. And pointedly, wasn't really used during the boss fight either. Like it, was, it never felt. Mm-hmm. As, I don't even know if I used it one time during the boss fight. Well, there's a constant updraft, so you don't really need to be blown around anywhere by anything else. Right, but they chose to design it that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was just uh, ag- I was just agreeing with Kyrie there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, having done the water temple, I quit because I thought the boss fight sucked so bad. Um, I'll go back to it at some point. The water temple, like I thought, the wind temple, like the journey there was really cool and then once i got there i was like this is better than a divine beast but not a whole lot better it's just mm-hmm. less it's like kind of a, a a little bit of a boring dungeon right mm-hmm. um the water temple is terrible i i i got to the zora kingdom and saw that the thing is that there's this muck everywhere and i decided mm-hmm. to go walk somewhere else for a while <laughs> Because that's, I'll bet, that's what, like, I saw, like, oh, this is a central game mechanic that I'm going to have to fucking deal with. This is not my idea of fun at the moment. It's not that bad, though it is, like, that uh, there are monsters that throw mud, and the mud is, like, a super fast projectile that, at least at my health, which is, like, eight stars, still one-shots me, which is very annoying. Um, But, like, mostly it's, like... You go into, not a room, because that entire dungeon is, like, open air, right? Um, But, like, you go into it, it's like, okay, activate, like, you have to lower the water level in order to, like, activate this this turbine. Uh, Stop me if you've heard this one before, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And it's like, okay, nothing in this room looks like anything, this is just a bunch of water and some places. Oh, this is interesting. Here's this panel that I can lift up. And you lift it up and you're like, I can't tell what this does. It turns out it's a floodgate, like, you know, that that like drains the water out. But one, it's positioned just like against the wall. There's no like visual indication this is a floodgate. And also lifting it doesn't do anything. You have to lift it and then attach a levitation stone to even get a hint that it does anything. It's just a bunch of straight up bad design Mm. that doesn't communicate what you're supposed to do. And like the solutions are often really stupid. There was one where it's like one of the areas. It was like, okay, to flip the switch here, you've got to hit this switch with an arrow, but it's inside like a spinning platform with walls and covered in mud and it's like okay i threw a water balloon at it and then jumped and used slow down to shoot it sorry was there a puzzle here uh well it's, it's it sounds like you did solve the puzzle there <laughs> okay the puzzle the, the, the thing is jen mm-hmm. there were four floating platforms around the room and two like bubble dispensers i don't know how those were relevant to the room at all mm. They wanted me to do something where I redirected. I'm pretty sure they wanted me to do some elaborate setup where I redirected the water bubbles into the thing to clean it off. Uh, here's the thing. If you set up like a platform for the water bubble to bounce off of, half the time it just phases through it anyway. It just clips through it. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to fucking waste my time with this. It's just a really bad dungeon. It is easily the worst thing i've played so far in this game and i was really put off by it 
That's fair. Yeah. I after I finished the uh the wind dungeon all of that, I kinda just went on my own and uh did a bunch of side quests. Like uh I think that's maybe the strongest part of this game in some regard. Like uh I just enjoy making things using the ultra hand and uh even when the pieces are right in front of me and the puzzle is obvious, it's nice to be like, okay, this person is trying to reach this uh, sandbar that's like a few minutes away downriver, but uh, they're, the person who borrowed the tools at that sandbar borrowed the boat as route, borrowed the boat as well. So I just get a little raft. I put uh, a control mechanism on it, a fan, little energy tank so it doesn't run out of juice cut the rope, and then I just go on a little fairy cruise for a few minutes, and it rules. Yeah, I don't like it. I wish it was <laughs> in a different video game. This, this is the thing that makes this game good, though. <laughs> I, 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 guess, I, I guess it's from two angles that I dislike it. One is, is the angle that Kyrie is coming at it from, mm-hmm. but that one's more complicated to discuss, so I'm going to go to it a sec. Okay. Um, the other one is like, how many times am I going to have to build the same F-150 for this stupid fucking Korok, right? Like, this isn't a puzzle anymore. I t- turn on auto-build, I, p- I glue the guy to the back of the car, and I drive for a minute. And it's just like... It is the same as the Korok seed puzzles in the first one, where it's like, move a rock, but that took five seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is obnoxious. Yeah, like, even with auto-build, I just, like, at one point, I, I saw, like, a Korok who has the big backpack and needs to be delivered to his buddy, and I just, like, saw the path, I just killed all the monsters, and I walked, because it was like, I'm not gonna, like, deal with building a contraption, I'm not gonna build a device, <laughs> like, it's just, I, my, I guess my problem with it is, like, I I I I feel like there is it's it's more like one of my problems with it is more to do with like kind of like the story in a weird way like not for like oh it doesn't fit within the world or something but I'm just more like it's hard to explain um let me think about it for a second I think mechanically I find it a problem because it's like I don't know, like, imagine if in the sequel, if, if if Dark Souls 2, one of the first weapons they gave you was a rocket launcher. And you're like, well, why would I parry or dodge roll or swing a sword? I've got a rocket launcher. The building stuff negates a lot of the game. Why in God's name would I ever use a horse? And once you get further in the game and you have some resources, why would I ever use a bow or a sword when I can use a tank? Why, like, you're negating your own game. Reading interviews from the creators, I think that uh, where you see negation, the folks building it, and I feel like the folks who are really clicking with this particular design they've chosen, they see it as, like, a satisfaction a satisfactory progression of like the words that they use the developers themselves at some point were like hey i love to cheat in these games i love it when people find a easy solution to something that would have been much harder otherwise and it's all about like finding the thing that works for you and uh 
changing it up when that no longer works and just you keep going. But the vehicles feel bad. They feel kind of bad. And like, go ahead. I, I don't have that much fun building them. And then when I move them around, it's just like it's big and it's clunky and it's Legend of Zelda nuts and bolts. And it's like, I, I will admit this game does a better job than Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts did at teaching you how to think with, like, building a constructed, like, thing. But I just felt at a certain point, like, part of the reason why I liked Breath of the Wild was because I had to walk and climb and jump and swim and fly, you know, with my limited resources and move around the world in that way. Now here it's like, oh, I can build a Maycross. I can build, like, a fucking jet i could build a tank which is like conceptually cool i guess but like i like just walking (laughs) but you have to go out of your way far far out of your way to get to the point where you're building tanks and make crosses because you have to get so much zonite and materials in order to uh build batteries that are big enough to last through that shit you basically have to make it your mission to make the game like that well no, because even, like, compared to using a horse, even using the starter battery with a car is faster. Just having the battery die over and over is still faster than riding a horse, um, and also more versatile as far as the, the ter- uh, terrain you can cross. Um, so you can just have a bad experience. Also, even once you do that, like, swinging a sword in this game, or dodging and doing a flurry rush, like, as interactions are designed to have a good game feel driving a car with two like you know magitech cannons on the front that automatically fire and don't have a crosshair so you don't can't manually aim them just feels bad and i feel that the concept of building a bunch of stuff is kind of a narrative with because so in this we haven't touched much about the story of the game which i felt like Breath of the Wild story was simple, but it was effective. Like, I still liked what they were going for in that game. In this game, one of the angles they are trying to approach this, like, story at is about the reconstruction of Hyrule, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's about, okay, we need to, you know, it is post-Calamity. What are we going to do about, like, all this? And you are, you have, there's this idea that, Okay, there's stuff built, there's stuff around the kingdom that is about trying to rebuild to its former glory, or at the very least to a livable state again. And it's like, I'm using this plank of wood that someone should be able to use to make a house for someone, and I'm using it to build a jet ski. And it's like, why? It would be one thing if the mechanics were like, let me build a house for someone. Like, and I don't know in fucking dark cloud right i don't know um like let me build something not for the sake of you know completely outdoing and overcoming some arbitrary challenge i've set for myself which is like you know build a mobile suit or whatever but more let me build something for somebody else but that's not here and and it's like the closest that I have found, right? Uh, I'm not counting the sign guy as the closest because that's <laughs> the sign whatever guys. is a quest. But yeah. like the closest is like, let me build a F-22 Raptor for a Korok who's tired. 
And I'm like, no. <laughs> See, for me, like, uh, the great fairy stuff worked pretty well for that. Because uh, essentially the way that you're getting to each great fairy in this game is that uh, there's this troupe of uh, traveling musicians and... Uh, not only ha is their shit falling apart like their wagon and the bridges they're traveling across, but also, like, the band members themselves are getting... are either leaving or found themselves separated in certain ways. So you're doing things like rebuilding their wagon for them and hitching your horse to the wagon so you can take them somewhere. Or you're, you're getting to a place where, oh, the bridge is broken and you have to find a way to attach their cart to a makeshift uh, pontoon and basically get them across that way to the ferry. And I feel like it does a good job of like using the building mechanics as like a thematic throughput for the rest of the whole rebuilding Hyrule, as Kyrie said. Okay, but those are like that's like four different times to like find four different fairies. Yeah, but there's also like other quests I'm getting into as well. Like the the river excursion I talked about earlier, it was so that uh they could get the tools back for the stable, but once they get there they realize, oh, this is actually a garden that Zelda really liked and wanted to show everyone else in Hyrule, but like the the uprising or whatever caused a bunch of it to get destroyed. Evil. The upheaval. Yeah. And like after seeing that the stable person's like, I'm I'm better used I am am a better fit here, like helping this woman um who was sent here earlier to uh rebuild the garden here and like make it beautiful again. Okay, so how do the building mechanics play into that quest line though? You're rebuilding the raft that he lost earlier to get him over there. I'm willing to accept that it's like there's thematic stuff that I just haven't seen that makes it work better along those fronts. Um, I do like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't even complain about this, but I really want them to have some more justification for the game happening. Um, it feels yep. like you fought Calamity Ganon, the generational evil that, you know, had, had ruled for a hundred years and Zelda was like, great, let me go poke another bear instantly. Um, and I would like either for them to say this was going to happen anyway, or this is not your fault or something, because right now it feels like this elephant in the narrative room that they're not addressing, by the way, you fucking wrecked this country. Oh, that's a much bigger issue with, like, the entire fucking franchise. Like, the way they've dealt with uh, Link, Zelda, and Ganon being pulled into the same stories has been, like, a thing they repeat over and over again. And one of the most common arguments you see from people who play these games is, man, it would be nice if Zelda didn't get captured again, or if Ganon um, wasn't the same racially coded uh, Middle Eastern evil that is uh, terrorizing this land and all that. Well, but, so that's uh, a completely different issue. That's, a that's, like, that's like a th way different issue. That's an issue of like tropes, some of them racist, being used over and over versus an issue of you're not addressing the core conceit of your game. There, I have played I yeah, just about every Zelda. 
I'm pretty sure there's no other Zelda that starts with you unleashing Ganon on the world. And it would be, like, I don't know, like, Breath of the Wild story, like, actually had something at some point to say about, like, the nature of, like, living up to one's destiny and things of... Things like that. Like, I actually felt like the narrative, like, conceit there worked. And also there was a narrative thrust. Like, as much as you didn't like the Divine Beasts as dungeons, I felt like the Divine Beasts as narrative devices were really great. Because it was like, okay, these are four weapons that'll help us defeat Calamity Ganon. And they're currently under his control. You gotta, like, deal with the problem. Or don't. You could go and fight Ganon, you know, at the center of the castle. But you will be underpowered. But at least there, it was like you would see like the divine beast in the skyline and you go like, oh, I got to deal with this thing. And that's like really cool and interesting. In this game, I just do not connect with, oh boy, the Rito village kind of has a bad blizzard going on. I'm just like, eh, weather, what are you going to do about it? And it's like, oh wait, it's actually of some divine for like source and there's a poem that the kids are singing and it's like i felt like i didn't have that like i never really felt like there was this like pull to want to deal with the problem to a certain degree like i it just sort of (sighs) it's rough like narratively i think there's like a lot of whiffs going on in this game yeah I guess for me, this this one feels a lot more. This one feels a lot more cohesive and interesting than uh, Breath of the Wild did. I mean, Breath of the Wild wasn't trying very much, right? Um, and mm-hmm. that makes it easier to not, you know, step on your own toes there. But like, I feel like this one is trying things and fucking up at them. And I guess you know, it's it's case by case. You know, a lot of times I like games that are that are more ambitious, but like. The thing is, this is Zelda in, like, its most storytelling mode, and even then, as you yourself said, Jen, this is not, like, an innovative story, right? So, they're fucking up, in my opinion, at doing a JRPG trope, and it's like, okay, why did you even try? You're trying something boring and doing a bad job at it. There's not, they don't even have the interesting thing where, like, in Breath of the Wild, there were these moments of, like, memories that you would go around the world and you would try to line up these photographs and that would allow you to unlock some memory from, like, a century ago. And they were told intentionally, like, not intentionally told out of order, but you will approach them out of order because of just the way that, like, players will decide to navigate the world. They're trying that again with the geoglyphs, but... Two problems with the geoglyphs. One, I have to, like... I Like, I found the second geoglyph after the first one that you're you're told to go to. And I couldn't get the dragon's tier until I went and did the other quest where I found the map that pointed them out to me on the map. And then I was allowed to go back to the geoglyph that I had already discovered to get the second, like, thing in memory. And I will always get the second memory, like, no matter which glyph I'm going to. Like, they don't even take advantage of that interesting narrative idea of a story told out of order. They do. Um, I have gotten, like, I went and did the first Geoglyph well after I'd done several others, and the story is wildly out of order for me. Mm -hmm. It is? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I started with Raura dying. 
Yeah, and oh. like that's not something I've seen yet, despite okay. collecting then, four or five of them. Egg, egg on my face, I guess. Like I, I just, oh, I sorry. I just also want to say for for anyone at home who hasn't played, that's not a spoiler. He's literally a ghost. You know, he's, he's going to die at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so Link in is the first five minutes. Well, after the <laughs> moody opening. Yeah, Link is wearing Raru's uh, um, arm, basically. Uh huh. Sorry, I interrupted you, Kiri. It's fine. I was just, I, like, I have been getting them in, like, I guess it was just by coincidence that, like, I had gotten, like, the second and third in the order of the story of it being told, and I thought, well, I guess we're just doing this now. Yeah, that is an unusual coincidence. Mm-hmm. Like, because, like, I felt that you know, with the, like, Zelda's memories in the last game, it was, like, by it being out of order, you had to, like, by piecing it together, it was much more interesting. Um, yeah, I was actually really disappointed when I got the first one because the story I got out of order was really was me piecing things together of like, okay, what's going on here? This is interesting. Is this the same Zelda? And then I find the first one and it's like, ah, oh, I'm the Zelda you know, but I appear to be in the past. And I'm like, oh, God damn it. Oh, right, I figured that. Okay. Oh, the time travel thing was like, I figured that out instantly because when you get the rewind power, you send the Master Sword back in time. I was like, okay, yeah, it's just like, Whenever they are referring to a historical Zelda, that is just Zelda stuck in the past. I was hoping some of the later ones, like, again, the the particular sequence in which I saw memories Mm -hmm. made it made me think for a bit that it was a bait and switch. And it's like, I mean, it's Zelda. She recurs across timelines. You think this is Zelda in the past. This is a previous Zelda. I was like, oh, that's interesting. No. Mm hmm. So. So. Like, I will say there are moments that, like y'all are getting into, I'm not a huge fan of. Like, uh, I think they have way too many checkboxes you need to mark off. Like, when I eventually found, like, the well explorer and she was like, so there's, like, 58 wells told in Hyrule. Um, you better go through them all and tell me... Every time you find a new one, and I'll tell you how many have left. And uh, I, I, th- I found that deeply uninteresting. Yeah, it's not a great use of your time. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't particularly. It's one thing. Like occasionally, I am getting those like moments that I had in Breath of the Wild, where like I'll do a thing, and I'll be able to just complete. I'll just be able to turn in the quest instantly because I had naturally been exploring like the world. And that was able to complete, like, this task that the old man in the stable was about to give me, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of moments in that. But there's, like, a, just a lot of, like, moments of, like, I don't know, like, bloat and just sort of, like, there's just so much to do at any given time when it kind of lost track of, like, the simple joys of just going around and exploring in some ways. Like, that, like... Like, I'm still, at the end of the day, I'm still enjoying, like, this game. Like, I'm enjoying playing it, because I think, like, there's enough of the core stuff from Breath of the Wild that I really liked that's still in here. But sometimes that stuff is in there almost as a matter of course, rather than, like, them really developing it into something else. And I think there are new things here that I, like, really am getting attached to, right? Like, I I don't... 
they're they have said they're playing basically to make this a trilogy that they're going to do a third one of these style of zeldas mm-hmm. um i need the ideas of the depth to be continued forward it is my favorite part of the game it's so fucking cool i found those uh, horses you were talking about <laughs> yeah they're yeah. sick did you did you find the um i mean you you had to have fought um the boss fight down there to get um the auto build yeah did you find any of the pillars uh no i don't think i have like you will you will find places where it's like oh there's just this like lit on all sides like square building that just goes up and up and up and up and up and up and you're like that is so tall do i have to climb that it looks like there are enough ridges i could climb that and so you get to the bottom and you're like ah clever i can just hit ascend and get to the top of this building you know where the top of the building is what hyrule you come out on top and it takes like it's like 30 seconds of link doing the like swimming through the void upward animation and then you pop out in the rito village and you're like what the fuck that is so fucking Uh. incredible like like taking the whole pillars of the earth thing like super literally Uh uh-huh and i do love the shrine puzzles that involve the ultra hand for specific things like uh there's this one shrine in particular where you're building various uh you're building various rail cars that can go like across shifting um train tracks more or less or like train tracks that end in one area but begin in the next and I spent a good fifteen to twenty minutes just on like the end of one of those being like, okay, this seems to be wide enough and have enough force to like get me through except oh no i put too many guardrails below so i had to go back and take some of them off and then i misaligned them a little bit and then i (laughs) i hit the fan and suddenly once i'm transferring to the next rail my makeshift car just throws me right into the goddamn abyss and it's so fun to dial it in, find the exact, like, construction that will get me across those rails, up and down, and it turns into a little roller coaster ride that's incredibly satisfying. Hmm. I, I, I haven't had the, that many of those moments that you're talking about, Jen, but I have had occasional moments where, like, with the Ultra Hand or whatever, where... It's like where you have that thought in the back of your mind of like, there's no way this can work. And then you make it work just like on first try. And it was like, huh, like that's like a cute like sort of moment to have happen. Um, Again, I just felt like there could have been a really strong focus if they had. Like, you know, just focused on almost like all that underground stuff, you know. But, yeah, it yeah. feels like they're building multiple different games in here mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah. I feel like they, they clash as often as they harmonize. Yeah. Like, they they really could have just, like, left the sky stuff for, like, a, you know, whatever third game in this, like, trilogy will be. And it was just, like, focused entirely on the underground. Because that would work thematically of, like, going into the depths of Hyrule and going, you know, discovering things you shouldn't discover, like, that sort of, like, narrative thrust, but, you know, it's, it's, it is still, like, I, I am still, like, glad that it is here. I'm still enjoying it, 
I just felt like it, it, it just like it, it feels like it is giving me a lot of what I didn't necessarily like want and not emphasizing the things I really liked about that last game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I, I pretty much understand by now that uh it's interesting because it feels like the reasons that I prefer this over Breath of the Wild is the stuff that uh makes you wish you were playing Breath of the Wild instead. I might just like replay Breath of the Wild on Master Mode, I don't know. Because I hadn't Don't try it. No. You can replay Master Mode, don't do it on Master Mode. Master Mode is very bad. Okay. Master mode is just like enemies one shot you and also they regen health in such a way that like early fights are genuinely impossible. You can't hurt people because like, let's say you go after a Bacoblin with an axe on master mode, mm-hmm. your two hit combo knocks them away. And by the time you run up to them, they have regened the damage you did. Oh, you that sounds miserable. Them. Yeah, it sucks. I'd rather just emulate the first game and just add a bunch of mods to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to do it. Mm hmm. Uh, but I, mean, you know, I, I feel like I was really scared of this game being Zelda Nuts and Bolts, and it is, and that isn't as bad as I expected. But I don't want nuts and bolts, and Jen, you do, and there we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not the biggest nuts and bolts fan, but I do appreciate that game quite a bit for what it was doing, and I'm glad that this one seems to have taken the torch and run with it. Attached the torch to the side of the car, pushed it down. <laughs> a- and I, I love it when you do like an ultra hand lineup, and you just fuck up the alignment just a little bit, and suddenly. <laughs> The whole thing topples over. <laughs> it is so funny. It gets me laughing every time. I wow. get very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I would just—it's like just Jen talking about like it's so funny when I accidentally knock something off my desk, and I'm like, "Are you an alien?" <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> All right. Well, I think that's it for us here. Um, we'll. I can imagine we'll probably be back at some point when we've played a lot more. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, here's some closing thoughts or whatever. Yeah, I would like one- to do that, yeah. Yeah, once we've maxed out the hero's journey counter, and which apparently tracks you until you've reached hour 256, at which point it starts erasing your older footsteps. Well, that's because gotcha. it's like an 8-bit eight, eight like integer or something. It's still... Yeah. yeah, it's still something just to be told like, oh yeah, this... This will track you for up to 256 hours. Yeah. Well, uh, why don't we close out by telling people where we can find, they can find us on the internet. Jen, what about you? You can find me at JBU3 on Twitter. You can find me at Jen hyphen and hyphen Aster on co-host. But most of my stuff is on scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Kyrie, what about you? Similar deal. Uh, go to Kyrie A page on Twitter or just Kyrie A page on co-host. I know super, super easy to understand. Um, just go there and also scanlinemedia.com, patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Um, also... Uh, it is like it is going to be convention season pretty soon. I don't know. It might be at Oticon. Who knows? Still figuring that out. 
We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. They did invite a gamer gator to hold a hold a you know panel. Well, so well, okay. You're gonna see me at a different <laughs> convention, <laughs> different panel at the very least. Who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at sixdetmar s i x d e t t m a r. My DMs are open for anyone to send me questions, comments, requests, any of that sort of thing for this or any other Scanline works. But the more official channel for that is emails at scanlinemedia.com. Send us emails. We like hearing from you. Yeah. We'll be back with more games crit, anime crit, film crit. Critical hits. Not crit, yeah. Like, not that many critical hits, to be honest. That I can't promise our next episode will have any critical hits. <laughs> That's out of my hands. Um, yeah, but all the stuff the we dice. do. Yep. And until then, peace out. See ya. Later. Later.